Um, we've got a brand new month in front of us. The month of June we have always had a focus on because we're heading up to our Build to Reach offering, which is the first Sunday of July. And so we just like to preach a little bit around um, just some ideas, biblical ideas, some biblical patterns around our financial world. And uh, so I get the first instalment today here, which is really exciting. And I want to say to you um, one word, which I want you to shout it out back to me really loudly. And the word is foundations. Foundations. Okay, we're not talking about a financial like institution as in a foundation, but the foundations of our life. There are things in life that I have come to realise are foundational. The Bible actually says, instruct a young person in what they will do uh, when they're young and they will not depart from it. That's basically a scriptural imperative to understand that even for our children, and I don't just mean even, as children, one of the things that parents are trying to do with their children, I hope, is to actually put foundation stones in their life. And foundation stones aren't just an end in themselves, a foundational issue, a foundation stone in a building context. A foundation is there in order that something can be built on it that has actually got strength, integrity, resilience, etc. And so I thought I'd start off this month where we're going to be resetting our finances as the overall theme, but I want to start with a foundational issue which I felt God laid in my heart and that is the foundation stone of generosity. So this message this morning is about having a generous spirit and understanding what it means to be generous. Um, so many things we do on top of our choices um, are completely and utterly affected by the foundations of our life. So if your foundation of life is shaky, incomplete, was left just up to chance, I can tell you, I guarantee that a storm of life will unsettle you. The Bible is brutal with it, and we're going to get to it. The, the wise man built his house upon the rock was the old Sunday school song that I used to sing as a kid. The rain comes down and the floods come up. The rains came down and the floods came up. Who knows that song? A few people do. If you didn't get brought up in church, you wouldn't have a clue what I'm talking about. It's a Bible story. Uh, and the foolish person built their house on sand, and when the storms came, it got swept away. The one on the rock stood firm. That's a story. That's an analogy about every one of our lives. Every one of us, there's not one person in this room or listening online who has not encountered a storm in their life. Um, they just come, right? Just like the next weather front comes through Adelaide, we have cold fronts blow through here. People who live in the tropics have different weather patterns, but they have even more severe storms. Um, I remember we were in Singapore once and I stepped out of, a, they said, afternoon thunderstorms, and I thought, like, not they are, they're all good. We have them in Adelaide, a bit of, you know, a bit of rain, a bit of lightning, a bit of thunder. And we stepped out of a, an underground because most of the big shopping malls were underground and linked under the street so you didn't have to go across the street. You went under the street in Singapore back in that era and I soon worked out why they did that because <laughs> just being an Adelaidean, I decided to go up street level, cross the road, look at a few shops and go down. Well, we walk from one side of the street to the other and you might as well have just got completely drenched to the skin. It was like uh, like jumping into a swimming pool. It was The rain was just that heavy. Anyway, that's the sort of storm I'm talking about. You can get a storm that, and we can prepare for storms, and I want to talk to you about that. So in a building project, one task that is sadly underrated is the actual... Um, design of and installation of 
the foundations. It can be underrated, but it shouldn't be. So depending on the project, foundations can constitute a large portion of the building cost and project. Some of you who've built houses on slopey blocks have had surprises from the engineers. You need to do this, you need to do that, but oh, there's going to be another forty or fifty, sixty thousand dollars to put piers down and do this. Yes? You know what I'm talking about, right? But the sad thing about foundations is once they're down, they sort of disappear. You don't see them again. I uh, put up a carport a year or two back and um, it came with, it was a kit and it turned up with all the specifications of how to do it, including how big to make the hole for the piers to sit in, how wide the hole had to be, how deep and what sort of concrete to put in it. Now, I could have just decided there's six holes to dig, I'll go and get some Bunnings concrete and I'll just wing it from there and build my carport put the pavers around the posts and no one would be the wiser. But my foundation would be designed according to me, with my knowledge, what I know. When it comes to generosity, many of us want to think that we've got it covered because of what we know. But I've got to tell you, you need to consult an engineer to put a proper foundation down for any building that's going to survive a storm. Let me just say, say again, consult with an engineer. Jason and Catherine Cook will cook kicking around somewhere in the children's Oh, Catherine's back there. Engineer, you need to have the right foundations, right, Catherine? You've got to spend the money. You've got to consult with somebody who knows what they're doing and get them to tell you and or advise you or a builder what sort of foundations to put down. So with this, same with our lives. We need help in pouring and or building a solid foundation let me say this, don't think you can do it by yourself. Don't you for one minute be thinking, I'm going to nail generosity all by myself. That's not the way it works. If I want to be a, an effectively generous person, with that as a foundation stone in my life, I'm going to have to consult somebody else. Somebody else has got to be able to tell me how to be generous. That's a little bit tricky, isn't it? We do a tithe message here in our church pretty much every week, which is really an attempt at that. It's an attempt to draw our attention to the fact that the Bible's got something to say about generosity and how we handle our financial world. It's, um, it's really easy to go, well, that's your opinion. I don't think you should talk about money. It's like, well, where are you going to learn otherwise? Somebody's got to have permission, Bruce, to speak to you about your financial world. Someone's got to be able to say, you think you're generous? Let me just tell you you're not. When I'm digging my footings for my carport... If I had had an engineer turn up, I reckon they would have said, you think that's big enough? It's not. It's not deep enough. Keep digging. It's not wide enough. Make it bigger. What sort of concrete? Are mixing that by hand? No, get a concrete truck in with probably MP25, MPA25 concrete. You're making stuff that you don't even know what that mix is. It's like, well, but it's concrete and it's a hole and I'm putting my carport up. What's your problem? Problem is... No problem when it's a beautiful autumn day, big high-pressure system sitting over Adelaide, not a puff of wind, the carport's keeping the bird poo off my cars. It's doing its job. But I live on a hill, Little Hampton. Next thing, forecast comes through, 120 kilometre per hour winds. I'm lying in bed when I get a forecast like that. Or it could be, I'm not because my footings are actually okay. But just <laughs> bear with my story, okay? But if I, I could be sitting and lying in bed thinking... I hope the heck I dug those holes deep enough. 
I hope the concrete around them's actually completely covered the post because it says to put the cement all around the steel, not just to one side. It's got to be in the middle of the hole. It's like, but, but see, I'm just an amateur. And I want to put it to you, maybe we're amateurs at generosity until we consult somebody who stretches us to become a professional generous person. And I don't mean as a career generosity person, that would be an interesting thing, but I mean we just know we have got this massive foundation stone in our life. And the filthiest, most brutal storm of our life could be getting sacked from your job. Could be someone that you love dying. It could be a diagnosis with some just horrendous disease. It could be someone betraying you, stabbing you in the back. Your best friend walks out on you. You get some sort of storm like that. If you've got piddly foundations, the storm will knock you over. If you've got firm foundations, robust foundations, foundations that have been built because you've actually consulted. Let me put this another way. You've actually lived in a connect group. You've actually let people in your connect group talk to you about your generosity or your stinginess or your grumpiness. or your, It's like, what sort of foundations? And you don't get all upset because the connect group cuts you up for being late always. It's like, okay, oh yeah, okay. You don't get cut up because someone else says to you, you always seem to have a sourpuss face on you. What's your problem? Get over it. You're a Christ follower. Get happy. Well, who do they think they are? They don't know my problems. No, they don't know your problems, but I guarantee they're probably suspicious that your foundations are a little bit crappy. I've met plenty of people with crap foundations. I must admit, including myself, I'm not just pointing the finger. I've got some areas in my life where I thought, gee, I wish I had had somebody just give me a little nudge, a clip under the ear on that area of my life. So the engineers, going back to my analogy... They design foundations with the worst possible conditions in mind, not the best. Have you been creating your generosity sphere, your financial world, with the worst possible financial conditions, worst possible life conditions in mind, or are you hoping to wing it through a nice high-pressure system day with no wind? It's like, I don't tell you, storms are coming. Not that I'm a doomsday person, but storms are coming. So we can prepare for many eventualities using experience. So we can consult and we can get help. But we've got, we've got a bit of a trump card here as Christians. We've got the word of God and God's got the final say and God's got generosity completely stitched up. He's a generous God. Um, and he's not just operating out of a realm of experience. So if I consulted an engineer, they've been trained, they've been given lots of formulas, they are maybe an absolute expert in the arena of engineering a particular whatever. At the end of the day, that experience, that professionalism is experience-based. It's actually looking at historical events. When we got flooded here twice in the building, going back to 2016, we had the engineers from the council turn up with a big pile of charts and plonked it down on the table and said... Here we are, we're just going to give you some... Yes, this is a one in 500 year flood. Not a one in 100 years. They said the difference between the one in 100 year flood and the 500 year flood is about, in depth of water, about, I think they said 10 centimetres. Is that right? Yeah, about four inches, right? That's all. So he said, that, yeah, somewhere in between that. Um, but my point is, they've got all the historical things. So this building was built here with the knowledge that it's actually built in a five once in a 100-year floodplain. It's like, that's helpful, not. Um, so, again, you could say, well, some person who's an expert about flooding 
was ignored for this to be built back in the 70s because someone decided the risk of that happening is low. Well, let me say to you, all of our historical evidence pales in significance when it comes to the guy who created it all and could see both sides of the timeline. Not only does God see our past and all the historical evidence that you call experience, he sees our present and he also sees our future. He knows what storms are coming, so why not talk to him about it? Why not consult him? Why not do what he says in his word about being generous and just get on with it rather than fighting it, arguing about it? So what sort of things could we put down as foundations in our life? Let me just list off a few things that I've got to. Love your neighbour. Love God. Bless those who curse you. These are from the scripture. Forgive one another. Imagine if we all were 100% effective in, if we've got kids, bringing our kids up to be forgivers. Fast. They forgive. They just go, you've got to forgive. Not only do they forgive, they know the rule, the rule of thumb, the foundational issue is forgiveness works. Because it does. Forgiveness works. It doesn't always work the way you think it does, but it always works. Practice hospitality. That's a biblical mandate. Like, be hospitable. Some of us are just plain lousy at that. Ask somebody who's good at it to, to teach you, show you, how do I be hospitable? How do I welcome people to my home? How do I ask somebody out for a coffee? Like, if you don't have confidence to do that, find somebody who is and say, can I follow you for a bit? Would you show me how to do that? Because I'm really not good at that. If you are lousy with your finances, find someone who's good at it. Tiggs gave Dave a bit of a plug in their business. I'm not, I want to plug their business. But these guys have got the experience and the wisdom to help you. You may have friends that, that can do that with you. It's like just find the people. They're out there, right? Does anyone say amen to that? What about being generous? Like Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. That's not a suggestion. It's God's word speaking to you and me. But we can ignore it and go, oh, yeah, it's just a matter of opinion. No, no, but God's saying a generous person will prosper. You say, well, I'm not prospering. Or maybe you're not generous. Oh, yeah, can you say that? You don't know me. No, no, I, I don't need to know you. I just need to know that foundations work. Strong foundations do their work. It's like, oh, this is a little bit brutal, Pastor Bruce. So whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It's like, yeah, okay, I, I'm a generous person will prosper. Bring offerings all the time. I'm plowing through the Old Testament at the moment. And uh, if you're doing the Bible reading plan with us this month, you'll notice in generosity that you're reading a lot of scripture. Anybody going, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was going to happen. This is just to test, test the waters a little bit. It's a, I'm doing that one and I'm doing the Bible in a year with a Bible project and that's about six to eight chapters a day as well. It's like my 20-minute devotions in the morning have kind of just, they're, they're blowing out. That's why I get to church late on Monday mornings, just saying. It's like, I know, I should set my alarm a little earlier, so it's all good. But one of the things in the Old Testament that is absolutely remarkable, now we're not talking about... Um, the sacrificing for sins dimension of it. I'm talking about the whole Levitical code around offerings. The Israelites brought God offerings all the time. Morning, noon and night, every day. They just brought offerings. God taught them through the rules, which people have got problems with the rules, but it was basically he's putting a foundation in a nation's um, grasp, a nation that's generous. 
They understood generosity. And to this day, Jews have got an interesting connection with wealth. That's why Hitler hated them. That's why the rise of anti-Semitism is on its rise again because God's people are despised. That's in the Bible. His children are despised. We're despised. If we're not in the West now, we're going to be. The days are coming when it won't be comfortable to be a Christian in Australia where the world will hate us because of what Jesus said, they'll hate you because they hate me. It's like, um, what are you going to do when that happens? It's like, I'm going to have some foundations down. That'll be a storm, storm like we've never experienced. Maybe not in our lifetime. Maybe it's a few generations down the track. But mark my words because the Bible's true. Those days will come and we need to bring up the next generations with foundation rocks. Generosity, forgiveness, kindness, gentleness, all those attributes that have come out of the kingdom of God. Amen. So we bring offerings all the time. We care for the poor and the needy. The list could go on and on and on and on. Those things need to be foundational. Amen. But there's nothing worse than enduring or being crushed by a challenge and then uttering the words, if only we'd known. I reckon without being pessimistic, we need to assume the worst and put plans afoot to endure the worst now, which may never happen. But hey, you've spent another $20,000 on footings. Who cares? It's like you know that your shed's not going to blow away or your house's not going to blow over the next storm. It's, it's because you've got adequate foundations. So in the Bible, in Matthew 6 and 7, Jesus spends a lot of time teaching the people who are listening to him. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. He gives a whole list of things, which some of those things I'll get to in a minute as well. But at the end of chapter 7, or toward the end of that, he has this interesting thing to say. He's talked about things like... Um, giving to the needy, praying, fasting, treasures in heaven, not on earth, not to worry, judging others, ask, seek and knock. Goes through all these things and in, in verse 24 of Matthew 7 he says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words, so he's done this massive preach, sits there in church every week, hears the message and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, listen to the exact same phrase, hears the words, listening to the teaching, listening to the sermon and does not put them into practice. Is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell down with an almighty crash. So one of the saddest dimensions of being a preacher, for me personally, I think, is realising that God's put a word in my heart as a revelation to preach and people have listened but then there's, there's nobody home. No change, no nothing. It's like, what is that? It's hearing the word and actually acting on it. So I can talk about forgiveness till I'm blue in the face. I can talk about being generous till Jesus comes back. And we could go, yes, pastor, we're with you. But if on the inside we're going, yeah, we're with you, but we, none of us engage with that. We've got a problem. I don't know about you, but I, I want to make sure that when I read the Bible and it says, like, I'm feeling guilty reading it because I'm thinking, God, I, I love getting the information. People say, oh, we just need deep teaching. We need more, more input from God. It's like, why don't you just do what you've been told before? Wow. That would be a good idea. 
I had a difficult conversation with Gordon more many years ago. I said, God's just, I don't know what's going on. The church has stopped growing. People are doing blah, blah, blah. They said, what am I going to do? I said, I don't know what to do. He says, well, have you done the last thing that Jesus told you to do? Uh, uh, mm, uh. My answer to that question, honestly, was no. He said, we can't expect anything new to be put in front of you to keep going with until you do. Yeah, that, that could be something as simple as writing someone a letter saying, sorry, I was a toss bag 10 years ago. It might be as simple as pick up the phone and saying, can we have a coffee? I'd like to talk to you. I've got some things, you know, I've been harbouring some resentment about you and I actually, I'd like to just talk and repent, ask your forgiveness. We sometimes think those things don't make any difference. But they do. Yeah. And we don't do them. He doesn't move. Oh, God's, God's this and God's that and God's not doing anything. It's like God's more than willing and wanting to interact in our world, but he's just waiting for us to hear and do. Amen? Amen. This is Pastor Bruce being a bit in our face this morning. So the engineer's specifications are not supposed to be put in a library book. They can be put there after the fact, but they're actually the specifications are supplied to the builder so that they will build the foundations according to the spec. So when we read scriptures about generosity, when we read about bringing their tithe into the storehouse so that there might be bread in my house, people go, oh, but that's Old Testament. Don't live under the law anymore. Tithing was around before the law. Tithing is an attitude of the heart. It's just bringing to God what belongs to God. He's told us in his word, the tenth belongs to me. So bring it to me. It's like you can argue about it. The problem is when we argue about it, we're actually just undermining a foundation. It's like getting one of those um, high-pressure guns out and just attacking the concrete with it. Shh, shh, I don't agree. Shh, shh. That's your opinion. Shh, shh. I'd like to say, if I could, God, I want my decisions to line up with what your word says. Yeah. Old or New Testament. Yeah. Just saying. So the engineers supply us with specs for every eventuality. So have you used them? Mm -hmm. A wise person follows the specs, right? That makes sense to me when you're building a building, doesn't it, Catherine? It's like you can do shortcuts and with foundations it's really easy to do, as I said earlier on, because they're buried. You don't see them after the fact. We put our picture up, um, Hados, is he still with us back there? That is the foundation um, pit of a skyscraper in... Uh, Shanghai, well, it's not a skyscraper yet, as you can see. But as you can see, it's a fairly serious hole in the ground. Now, engineers have designed how deep that hole is, what sort of steel needs to go in it, how much steel needs to go in it, blah, 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 blah. They've designed it to carry the weight. Sometimes we want to think that, or maybe you're satisfied with where you're at with generosity at the moment, and I'm not wanting to be critical of anybody at all by saying this. But what if, just, just bear with me, what if God... Down the track, wants you to be a hundred-story building instead of a five. And you're building your life with foundations for a five-story building because that's what you know. That's what you're planning. That's what your dream. But God, in his wisdom, is going, 
but, 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 but we need to go down a lot deeper. We need to be a lot more this. We've got to have a lot more depth in that area of your life, Bruce. Well, why? I'm only building that. Because I can't see, and he, for his reasons, doesn't tell me. Because he wants to see what I'm going to do with what I know. He's a tricky one. He wants to see what I'm going to do with what's in my hand now. So, well, man, I'm going to plan for the biggest thing ever. Are you planning for the biggest life ever? Are you planning for the biggest marriage ever? Are you planning for the biggest whatever? I don't know, are you? Hmm, you're quiet on me on that one. So, let me finish up. We already talked about those. I'd want to say to you that God is absolutely in the business of supplying you with people, relationally, who can help you in this arena of generosity. If you haven't found somebody that's talking to you about that or you haven't invited to talk to you about that, can I suggest during this month of June that as a foundational issue, you just have some, have some conversations with some people that you trust, not just any Tom, Dick or Harry, um, but people that you trust that you know are just sensible, mature Christ followers. So well, talk to me about what you think generosity looks like. Where have you gone? What sort of help have you got, if any? Do you think we should find some help together? Can I encourage you to just get those conversations going? There's no doubt generosity starts out as a way of thinking for each of us, but it needs to mature into the way we always act. Let me say it again. It needs to mature into the way we always act. A generous person, generous the compliments, generous of spirit, just generous with a smile. Some people have just got the neck. Abigail Beatty. For example, she's got the foundational stone of smiling on stage. Now, I know that she's been taught that through dance school and whatever else, but just come up here, Abigail. Come on. <laughs> Look at this. She, she can't help it. See, it's, it's just a foundational stone in your life, isn't it? You get on stage, you go, I'm up here to look, I'm, I'm enjoying myself, even though I'm hating my pastor at the moment. <laughs> but, see, happy. She's learned it. That's, that is... A foundation rock in her life. Thank you. You can go sit down again. <laughs> yeah, give her a hand. Others of us have to remember to smile. I'm, I'm one of those. You might see me up here thinking, boy, Pastor Bruce is looking grumpy this morning. It's just because I've forgotten to smile. I'm not grumpy at all. It's like, it's like um, Julie has been accused of those things over the years. My lovely wife, Julie, she, she when she's in the presence of God, actually can look very serious because she actually just engages with God deeply. And uh, there have been people over the years saying, oh, you always look so, you know, she's, well, what are you talking about? It's like just helping, just remember to smile. If you ever get up on the platform, this is your little platform training for any of you. You ever come up, if somebody like Tegan asks you at short notice, come up and pray, don't stand up like this. I'm so glad to be here. Even though you might have this going on inside, you might be thinking, what, is, what was she thinking? I don't even know what to say. Just, that's ah, so really good up here. God is so good. I've worked there looking in the mirror. I actually don't know how to smile. Well, I do, but it's my smile, but it's pretty, I reckon it's pretty tame. I don't know what it is, but anyway, just, uh, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm just kind of going, are you actually happy? It's like, you know, uh, dear. Maybe you need to look in the mirror and say to yourself this week, am I actually generous? Am I a generous person? Just look at yourself. Like, don't get all narcissistic and weird about it, but just look at yourself and go, am I looking at a generous person or am I looking at a measured person? 
Because a measured person in the arena of generosity is not a generous person. If you're counting the cost, then it's not generous. If you're managing what you give and who you give it to according to whether they deserve it or not, that's not generosity. God's generosity has been given to all of us and none of us deserved it at all. That's biblical generosity. So don't let the person's qualification, as in your, do they deserve it? Maybe they don't, but a generous person says, I'm okay with that. What they do with it is their problem, whatever that is. Why don't we stand to our feet? I've got six questions before I finish and we'll sing a song to close. About generosity. I just want you to think about this. So put the, get the term, the idea, the concept of generosity into your mind for a moment. Is it well engineered as a foundation in my life? Yes or no? Just be honest with yourself. I'm not asking for you to shout out the answers. Just, but let this question just linger a bit on the inside. Here's another question about your generosity, my generosity. Was it constructed with the help of others? Or am I a self-made generous person? I've done it all by myself. Well, good for you, buddy. I would say you've probably got some other chapters to discover about generosity because some of those chapters are in other people's lives and God wants you to find them. Generosity, does it stack up with God's view of generosity? You can sometimes, we do count the cost and we measure our, our generosity. God's got a limitless, limitless supply, unlike me. In some arenas of my life, I know there are limits. And I'm not saying to be unwise or foolhardy with any resource that you've got. But I am trying to challenge you to think, am I actually generous with what I've got? Has my sense of generosity been undermined by a severe storm and do you actually need to make repairs where's that other picture gone um, back there Ados? this is what happens when an unexpected event happens if we can find that uh, the people who designed that bridge I'm assuming thought it'd be okay to cross that river until it wasn't maybe you're standing in church this morning with your bridge a little bit Maybe it's not quite as destroyed as that, but maybe you are aware that when it comes to generosity, you, you're just sort of wobbling around a little bit. Do you need to do some repairs to your foundations? Another question to ponder is, is my life built on it, on the foundation? Am I in good shape? Maybe the litmus test might be, well, actually, there's a whole bunch of really strange things going on and I'm not coping with life maybe it's a time to go what are my foundation stones like that might be a good thing to get right before you do anything else and does final question does generosity in my life prove that God's real he's relying on you and me to demonstrate his generosity and if we're not then he's portrayed as not that's a really very tricky line of thinking I'd like to think I represent God well but I know I don't always I know I let the side down badly I've got my moments of temper tantrums get upset about one thing or another you've heard me have little rants from the pulpit from time to time up here if you've been around long enough you guys are very generous in forgiving 
Let me say that question again. Does generosity in my life prove that God is real? Maybe to yourself and or to others. Let me close with prayer. Hopefully this has been helpful. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this beautiful gathering of people this morning here in the building. Pray, Lord, also for those that are watching on, online right now. Help us, Lord, to all reflect on those foundation stones in our lives, and particularly today on the arena of generosity. And the fact that that, that foundation stone is going to support all kinds of contexts of generosity, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether it's uh, verbal, maybe it's in our attitude to our work. There's just a whole plethora of contexts that are built on a foundation of generosity. And I pray, Lord, today that by your Spirit, you would just come and make repairs. Lord, we invite you to come in and bring in the the concrete trucks, Lord, bring in the strengthening rods, bring in the heavy-duty equipment, whatever's required, Lord, that we'd be confident that right now you are securing us in this arena of generosity. Thank you for the wind of the Spirit. As we started out with that thought this morning, we close it with it. Lord, that you can do the impossible. Father, we sometimes think this is an overwhelming line of thinking, Pastor Bruce. I'm not sure what to do with it. Just ask God to come. Ask the Holy Spirit to minister into your life. He wants you to get this, and He will do much of the heavy lifting when you ask him to. And so, Lord, we come to you today in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.